Hi, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Grab Life podcast. Grab Life is all about taking positive action towards a brighter and more vibrant future for not only ourselves, but for others too. Stories of overcoming adversity, great will, and or hope show us that it's never too late to grab life by the horns. The power is with us to change the things that need to change, and we do that by daring to live our truth, continuing to learn, and fight for what's right every day. I'm Avery Underwood, and I am your host. I am a health and wellness coach, and I'm here to empower you to live your most vibrant and well life for you through self-love, self-care, and the power of your intuition. This episode, I talk with my friend Lottie Dryanen, formerly known as The Tummy Diaries on Instagram, about our experiences with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, for those that do not know. We go into why the FODMAP diet should be a last resort for treatment of IBS, how life is too short to wear clothes that aren't comfortable, and why self-care is so important, not only to manage IBS, but for a happy, thriving life. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get instant notifications of episode releases. And with that, I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, so today we have with us Lottie Drynan, who you may know previously on Instagram as My Tummy Diaries, and she's just changed her name, which is cool. She is an IBS and body image influencer. So welcome, Lottie. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So today we're going to talk about um, IBS because both she and I have it and the restriction of the FODMAP diet and the importance of good body image for mental health. So around here, we get things started with a little quick fire round of questions. It's called grab and go. So I'm just going to list two things and just pick whatever one comes to your head first. Okay, go for it. Still or sparkling? Sparkling. Summer or winter clothes? Summer. Cat or dog? Dog. DMs or trainers? Uh, trainers. <laughs> I love how. Trainers. Marmite <laughs> or peanut butter? <laughs> Marmite. Pizza or pasta? Oh, hard one. I, I know. Pasta. If it's smothered in cheese, yeah, pasta. Tea or coffee? Neither. Peppermint tea. <gasps> the only one I drink. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Have you never been into tea or coffee? No, I feel like I used to maybe have a really milky tea when I was like early teens. I don't think I enjoyed it. I think I just had it because that's what people did and I don't really like it. So no, peppermint tea. Or I do love a decaf espresso martini. Mm, yeah, yeah, nice. Can you not do caffeine? No, I'm not very good with it. Like I had it before um, when I was shopping, like maybe two years ago. I tried it again. I genuinely had half a shot. I thought that I was like falling ill. I was like sweating, shaking, like thought I was gonna poo myself. So yeah, it's not good for me. <laughs> I do get that sometimes. I had that this morning, but other times I'll be totally fine on it. I guess it just depends. Okay, cool. Book or podcast? Oh, I'm gonna go podcast. Guacamole or salsa? Guacamole. Okay, awesome. You're very decisive. Oh, I have to go for it. I'm quite indecisive. So I'm just <laughs> <forcing> myself. <laughs> I love that. Okay, cool. So just because of like the interesting times that we're going through at the moment, I'm asking everybody how their 2020 was and like how you're feeling going into 2021. Yeah, I mean, it was really bloody weird, wasn't it? Um, probably the weirdest and hardest year ever potentially for me, um, but also a, a good one. Um, I I had loads of changes 
I mean, as did we all, but alongside um, lockdown, I left my job um, because I was in events and events completely stopped. Um, So I decided to use that time to leave my job and start up a business. Um, So it was it was massively, I don't know, just weird, scary and very lonely. Um, But also some good positives, like spending that time to focus on myself um be kinder to myself some personal development stuff like going on courses which is how we met um yeah yeah so it was all right like weird but definitely some positives that I'm trying to focus on taking out and I'd say for 2021 sort of my my main thing is like just there feels like there's hope so I'm trying to cling on to that yeah totally and I love that that I didn't realize that you completely left your events job just to pursue yeah is it you you've got this is that the company yeah so my business is you've got this and then obviously I've got my Instagram like you say was the tummy diaries and now just my name um so yeah just completely I went part-time um and then there was just no events and it didn't look like they were going to come back so I thought you know what I'm just going to go for it so I think it was a month or two months later I went full-time self-employed That is so cool. I love that. Just pursuing your passions. And I know that I saw the other day that you did change your Instagram name. That must have been quite a bit of, I don't know, did you have a bit of, what's the word? Um, I'm really tired today. Like letting go. Because that was what created your whole community, right? Like based on the tummy diaries. Oh, yeah. I've been thinking about it for like probably a year or two. And it is so hard because it's my brand. Like I built a brand around it and everyone knows me as the Tummy Diaries. I mean, some people didn't even realize my name was Lottie. Like people were messaging me saying, has <laughs> someone stolen your pictures? I was like, no, this is me. This is my name is Lottie, not Tummy. I <laughs> <Like, laughs> all the time email me saying, hey, Tummy, it must be like the way their data saved. And I'm like, maybe this will actually make people realize my name is Lottie. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was scary. I know that sounds silly because it sounds quite trivial, but it was a really big deal for me. And but I just thought I've got my brand now. You've got this. That is my brand. And then Lottie Dryne in my Instagram page. That's about me. That I want that to be personal. And I built. I started the Tummy Diaries when IBS was my whole world. Like it took over my whole life. It stopped me from doing so many things and everything because it affected me so greatly. Everything that I posted was about IBS. Whereas now it's still definitely a big part of me. Um, and it's still, I'd say my main, my main theme on my page, but also it doesn't affect me to the point it used to. And I kind of wanted to show that, that I managed to get myself to a point that IBS was a part of me, but didn't rule my whole life. And I can carry on in a positive way. Um, So yeah, I wanted my name to sort of reflect what I was actually posting. Yeah, totally. And I love that. Like it should be your name, like you are the face of it. So that's awesome that you've come to this place. And I think it's amazing the journey that, you know, we can go on from a diagnosis of IBS to where you are now. And I just think it's so powerful. So what has your journey been like? And, you know, from when you got the diagnosis, like what you were going through before that, and how has it been for you, etc.? Yeah, so it was when I was about 18 um so about 10 years ago and um, I first started experiencing sort of tummy issues and it took me eight years to get diagnosed with IBS which is pretty sounds pretty mad but actually it's surprisingly um common 
for it to take so so long maybe not that long but a long time and um they did multiple tests I was really quite ill with it I was bloated all the time but in quite severe pain I was sort of sick a lot um and just felt really rubbish pretty much all the time so they did loads of different tests to try and rule different things out um and the word IBS got thrown at me quite a couple of times but just oh we think it could be but we're gonna do this 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 so yeah when everything else got ruled out it was actually quite a relief or but also like weird I was like surely this can't just be IBS because I think people just dismiss IBS as oh like it's just stomach aches like get over it or you're just bloated or it's just sort of toilet habits um so I just thought surely that can't be it and when it was it was yeah a bit of a relief a bit confusing and now sort of what next what do I do because at the time there wasn't as much information even I mean it, I think it was four years ago I got my official three years ago I got my official diagnosis and even then there wasn't that much information around it and then it was a case of trying to navigate what I did next to try and manage my symptoms and is that where the tummy diaries kind of came from yeah yeah so it was um I just thought you know what I don't know anyone that's got this no one really talks about it so I created an online account for ages I don't even think I showed my face um definitely not in my main feed and I just wanted to sort of follow others um that was living with similar experiences and I just wanted a bit of inspiration and a little bit of comfort as well um, so yeah, I set it up and it was originally sort of mainly documenting food and then I started documenting more stuff. Um, and then it slowly became this sort of community that it is now. And do you think that, you know, having that online platform kind of empowered you throughout this whole journey? Yeah, definitely. It definitely gave me the confidence. I think I've been really lucky with that because one of the hardest things is to talk to people about it. And having that online platform kind of removed that for me because most of my friends knew that I was doing it. So even if I wasn't confident enough to talk to them face to face, it's kind of weird. It's it's sometimes easier telling strangers, especially strangers that you know are following you because they're probably experiencing similar. So yeah, it definitely empowered me. It made me learn loads. It encouraged me to sort of really advocate for myself and just to spend my time learning more about my body and about IBS and gut health. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And kind of throughout the whole time, um, throughout your journey and stuff, what do you think have been some milestones that have kind of gotten you to where you are now, where you're feeling better about it and it's not ruling your life like you said it was in the beginning? Um, so I would say the biggest thing for me is learning about the gut-brain axis so understanding that actually there's more than just what you eat that impacts um, your gut, whether you've got IBS or not. Um, and understanding how with IBS, so obviously our, our brains, our gut and our brain are communicating. Um, it's like a bi-directional communication. Um, it's part of our nervous system and our gut just plays a massive part in our moods um, and also even the production of like all of our happy hormones. Yeah, so understanding that there's this two-way communication and when you've got a functional gut condition like IBS, basically it's almost like your gut and the, your brain are trying to work for the same thing, which is you, but they've fallen out and they're just not communicating very well. So you just have to work a bit harder on that communication and understanding that and sort of understanding how all the different things that impact my gut health. So my mental, uh, my mental health, my stress levels, my sleep, my hormones, that was like massive for me rather than thinking it's just what I ate. Obviously diet's so important, but it's only one part. And I think that's 
one was just like a light bulb moment like wow okay I need to zoom out a bit um, and two I just found it fascinating and that's sort of where 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 I sort of focus everything on with with my account yeah totally and in my experience I've definitely found this whole like gut brain axis thing like you say like super interesting and you can kind of when you understand it you can manipulate it in a way I guess where you can kind of relax into it a little bit but it can be also really frustrating when things trigger it because I do often find that it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Like sometimes your mental health can trigger it. And then when your gut is like playing up on you, then you're not digesting food properly and like your energy levels are really low and then it makes you stressed out even more. And it's kind of like this repetitive cycle and you're just like, ah, like in the beginning, it can feel so alienating. And I remember that. And like even still now, because nobody in my immediate like, friends or family or anyone has IBS and my partner as well sometimes can be a bit like I'm like I don't know if you feel this but you know when you get like a flare-up and it feels almost kind of like a heaviness in your gut it feels like you've almost got like a lead balloon that you've swallowed and it it makes me feel so shit and my mental health gets so bad and I honestly can't sleep sometimes because I'm like I can't explain what's going on in me right now but like it's so frustrating Definitely. I relate to that so much. And I think like, even when you said what comes came first, the like chicken or egg situation. And I think that's as well for me, I was always so worried that I was going to be bloated or get a flare up that I'd actually stress myself out getting a flare up. So I'd think, especially for example, I mean, when we could go out and I'd be like, right, I've got a work event or a party or even dinner. um, And I really don't want to be bloated or I really don't want to feel shit. Um, or I'm really worried that I'm going to flare up as soon as I get into this restaurant and eat something. And then almost instantaneously, I'd become bloated. And that is because we're like going into our fight or flight and our brain is telling our gut, okay, ah, and it's reacting. And it is so, it's so difficult to get out of. And then once we're in that bloated or pain situation, then it's triggering more stress. So I think that's where it's so important for us to sort of understand and even realize that that happens and then put in place like coping mechanisms sorry mechanism oh my gosh how do you say that word okay I'm stopping mechanisms there we go (laughs) um in place for when you for being able to manage that yeah totally um I was gonna say something but the mechanisms thing totally (laughs) threw me off um no 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 it was quite it was entertaining uh what was I gonna say yeah so I remembered like maybe it was this time last year when things were like really really bad for me symptom wise and I remember just thinking like what I thought it was like food that was triggering it. I knew that stress was an issue and I knew that there were different things like kind of on my self-care checklist that like weren't going my way at that point. But definitely food for me was like, is it dairy? Is it gluten? Is it this? Is it that? Is it blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, maybe I'll just like try and do like the FODMAP by myself just to see if it was like, but restriction for me like doesn't work at all. And the stress of like, is this actually it or is this not? Because I love dairy. I love gluten. I love all of these things. And if I didn't know it was triggering it, like it was this constant battle in my head with my mental health of like, can I eat this? Can I not? Oh, but just like relax into it. And then it's like, oh, I don't know. It's mental. Yeah, definitely. So I think the thing is with the FODMAP diet, it's, it can be really successful. And I think it's like 70% of people, it can help ease symptoms, people with IBS. So it's not just there for anyone that's got a, bit of a tummy ache um 
But the problem is it's almost become like a bit of a buzzword. And I think there's a few reasons, but part of it, I guess, with GPs, they're trying to see, they're trying to help so many people. And you've obviously only got a really limited amount of time and they've got a limited amount of resources. And when there's a stat like 70% of people reduce, um, have reduced symptoms from it, it's it's often something they say straight away, as soon as you're diagnosed, go on the, go on the low FODMAP diet. And actually it should be used like almost as a last resort. So obviously I'm not a medical professional, but knowing a lot about it and spending a lot of my time researching it, and there should be so many things that we look into first. Like with our gut, we should be really feeding it the maximum, most varied amount of um, varied diet because that helps feed our gut and makes our gut microbiome really happy. Um, and it just makes it really nice and diverse with all the bacteria. So it's such a hard one because I think so many people are put on it or they read read about it and then they do it on their own. Whereas if you are doing it, it's definitely something that you should really be doing with a professional who can help ensure that you're so it's it's got the different layers to it but when you're in the restriction that you're still getting all the nutrients that you need and then when you're um in the re- reintroduction that you're reintroducing everything because so many people and for me I got stuck in the reintroduction phase for god years and basically just ended up keeping everything cut out for so long I became became fearful of foods I was scared to eat because I thought oh mushrooms are bad that's on the bad list so I can't have that if I then noticed there was a tiny bit of my food I would freak out that would then cause a flare-up and it's like did the mushroom cause it or was it the fact that I was so stressed about thinking there was a mushroom in there or tasting it um and it's really hard so obviously the FODMAP diet can be great but also it for most people I think restriction is really really difficult and it then it can then cause sordid eating or even eating disorders for me um that was a bit of a chicken and the egg thing I don't know what came first but definitely it propelled my eating disorder um, because I was just so fearful of food and then I used my IBS as an excuse um and to, to sort of mask the fact that I didn't want to eat or I was actually bulimic and thinking I didn't know whether I actually felt sick because of the food or whether it was my brain saying it's okay to feel it's okay to be sick because you've got IBS. Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Sounds like super tricky to navigate. Yeah. And it's really hard. It is. I mean, there's a massive proportion of people who have IBS have disordered eating or eating disorders. I think it's and 50% of people with an eating disorder actually have IBS. They're classed as. um, Oh my God. Yeah, so it is, there's like a massive intersection. Also, like with diet culture, it's the same sort of def- demographics as well. Um, it's more common in women, and yeah, it's a it's a really interesting one and one I'm more, I'm learning more about. But I think it's just for me that's why I really try and tell people and like say talk to your doctor if you're not happy that you've had the first nine treatments, which would be looking at things like stress management and your your bigger your lifestyle is a bigger picture. If they're diagnosing a FODMAP diet too soon and you're not quite happy you've explored the other areas, do do talk back and say, what else, what other areas can I get help in um, rather than going straight into restriction? Because often the stress from not eating can actually cause more symptoms than than the high FODMAP foods. Yeah, totally. And um, how exactly did you kind of come away from having an eating disorder around FODMAP how how did you navigate that um so again I think it goes back to learning all about this so listen, reading books listening to podcasts learning about that gut brain axis and thinking actually am I working myself up over these foods 
and at times where I felt like I was more relaxed um then trying to introduce reintroduce these foods that I kept out for so long um and also I had therapy as well around my eating disorder which massively helped me I had hypnosis which there's more and more research coming out about how that can actually help IBS as well never mind an eating disorder so um yeah I definitely had help with that and I think just learning more about it just so I understood so I didn't think oh this is all in my head and realizing actually that there is science behind it um really helped you know I was actually the other day I was having a really bad flare-up and I woke up in the middle of the night because what happens when I'm really bloated is that it pushes against my bladder and I have to wee in the night which disrupts my sleep and it's just like a whole thing it's really fucking annoying but anyway it is what it is and I've just learned to like instill self-compassion. Like that was the biggest thing I think that's really kind of like helped me throughout is like self-compassion can help kind of combat the stress. Definitely. Like even for me, like I actually talk to my gut and my brain as they're like people. And like, if I feel myself getting stressed, I'll literally say things in my head like, right, hey gut, it's brain here. Like, yeah, we're getting stressed, but it's fine. Like I've got this, you chill out, you relax. And I know it sounds silly. No, it's cute. Yeah. And just, and I I really do feel my gut going, okay, thanks. Cheers brain. Right. I'll, I'll leave you to it. And it does. I, I can feel my stomach relax and even things like saying that it's just as quick when it, when it happens, as soon as I feel stressed, my stomach just goes, bam, like within, within like a couple of minutes, if that. Yeah. Awesome. That's so cool. And I, that's such a good suggestion actually of like having different like voices for your brain and your gut. Like I really, I really love that. (laughs) So cute because it's the same with like, it's the same with having self-compassion. Like I always say to my clients, like you actually have to like talk to yourself like a best friend, like in your brain. So that's so cute. I'm definitely going to try that. Well, because they they're there like getting angry. I remember I used to get so angry and be like, "Why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just eat everything like my friends do? Why can't my gut just bloody work for me?" And that's not gonna help. So having that, yeah, self compassion, gut con- compassion too, <laughs> is really helpful. That's so cute. I love that gut compassion. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, Okay, so you've talked a little bit about the importance of, you know, figuring out other coping mechanisms before going into FODMAP or whatever else you decide to do. So what are some like everyday bits of self-care that you kind of always have to implement to try and remain in balance? Yeah, so I I do try and meditate um, most mornings. If I feel I want to, I'll do it. I'm not doing it every day, but I really notice a difference when I do, even just sort of 10 minutes. There's an amazing app called Insight Timer, um, and that's free, and it's really great. Um, So doing that, journaling, I I love journaling. It is like my absolute passion. So that really helps just getting sort of all my thoughts out, pen, um, brain to paper really helps. And getting outside. So even when I'm having a flare up, if I can manage it, I know it's not always possible, but if I can, even just a really gentle walk massively helps my headspace and my stomach. Um, but running is like my ultimate. So as long as I'm feeling good, if I go for a run, oh, it makes me feel like a million times better. I love that. I love that so much. And it's the thing that I always say is that, you know, in general, like not even in relation to IBS, but self-care is so important for everybody to remain in balance. But, you know, I often apply it to myself because it helps keep my IBS in check. Um, and running is definitely something that I found to be 
super super good and especially because when you have to go outside like you say like being outside in nature is such a healer isn't it yeah definitely definitely and I think even like I mean I wrote I think it was the beginning of the last lockdown I wrote like a whole self-care sort of menu like of everything that makes me feel good and I know like sort of the meditating and the journaling are ones that we see a lot but actually sometimes for example yesterday part of my self-care was just replying to emails and actually at the t- that's not always going to be helpful to me sometimes like that's the last thing I want to do but that really helped me and I thought you know what I've looked after my future self here so I think it, even writing a little list of things that make you feel good and then when you when you need them go to it and think okay actually that one stands out just like you would with a food menu and think actually that's the one I fancy today um it's quite nice because when you feel stressed you don't really want to have to think about too much so it's there for you yeah and sometimes when you're stressed you don't even really know what's best for you because you're like in that kind of state of overwhelm where your brain is taking over like what you you're like what I for lack of a better word like what your gut actually like wants you to be doing um so I love that make a list of all the different elements of self-care and like you say like (laughs) self-care not to like you know go back to my whole coaching thing but self-care is so much more than just a face mask like like stuff that we don't even think about doing like life admin like you say like responding to emails or like tidying your house or like whatever stuff that makes you feel better in general it may be boring it may be unsexy but you got to do it yeah absolutely okay cool so in my experience with IBS, um, I remember when it first started getting really, really bad and my clothes stopped fitting me. And that was, I think the worst thing is that like, I wear a lot of high-waisted trousers, so it was fitting my waist, but then my belly was like bulging out so much underneath it that it constantly reminded me of how much bigger I was and like the feeling of heaviness that I had. And it was just not nice. And I remember reading, um, what's her name? Dr. Megan Rossi. What's her name? The gut health doctor, her book. She was saying that there's something called the tight pants syndrome, which is when your clothes are too tight and it makes you feel uncomfortable, which in turn makes you feel shit about yourself, etc. And I know that you do hashtag my bloated wardrobe and I just love it so much. So maybe just tell us a little bit about, yeah, the inspiration for that and what it is. Yeah. So yeah, I, I totally, that totally resonates with me. Like trying to squeeze myself into tight jeans is just horrible. And actually like, as well as making it feel uncomfortable, I'm pretty sure it actually makes it harder. It restricts like those digestive parts and makes it harder for food and like gas to pass through, um, which can actually cause bloating in itself as well as the stress from it. Um, and I just remember, oh, the amount of times I've like, gone to go out and try clothes on and either they didn't fit or they felt really uncomfortable and I'd end up like literally with this whole pile of clothes on my bedroom floor just sort of crying and thinking what am I going to do I can't go out I just feel horrible both physically and I felt like I looked like sort of six months pregnant um and I have always made six months pregnant yeah (laughs) yeah it is had it before when colleagues especially like on nights when I don't feel good so I'm not drinking um and then they'll come over and they'll be like oh are you pregnant because they can see a bump and they think oh because she's not drinking I don't know why people feel that that's an acceptable thing to ask but you know that's another story but yeah they it was so I just thought why I got to this point where why am I trying to squeeze into these body dresses and tight jeans just because that's what's I don't know Topshop says is in fashion actually why don't I sort of choose clothes that make me feel good and fit to my body like I think we're like we think that clothes should 
like our bodies should fit to the clothes but the clothes should fit to our bodies um so yeah I started sharing sort of like elasticated waistbands became my sort of holy grail and I shared a few bits on social media and just came up with this hashtag my bloated wardrobe and so many people were so positive about it I was like it's still it's mad like people say I, I don't know how I've never thought about wearing something that's actually comfortable um because I know it sounds obvious but I don't think it is for us all the time so yeah I now sort of rate clothes out of how elasticated they are um and show that we can still wear clothes that we absolutely love um but we can find ones that are super comfortable um that are stretchy that are flattering and it's not I don't think it's all about hiding it because actually if you've got a body con dress that is super elasticated then why shouldn't you be wearing it like I think, again, that's something that we I really want to try and break down that stigma and people thinking it's OK to ask if you're pregnant. Um, but actually, if you've got a bit of a bloated belly, but you feel great, you love the dress and it's really comfortable, then you wear it. Um, so, yeah, that's something that I've become really passionate about. And I think it's really fun finding sort of clothes and thinking about um, all the different shapes and different brands that just make us feel great. Yeah, I totally agree and resonate with that so much because I think like in the in the midst of like this year and a half where I was in utter turmoil about everything and just like felt so alienated and like depressed about it all really for lack of a better word. Um I kind of swore off like half of my wardrobe and like before I used to be able to wear like literally anything I wanted and it was almost like having to mourn a part of me of like I don't know the freedom of just being able to like choose whatever and then after I kind of like went through the motions and it became like more of an empowered thing and I remember at the end of last year I posted something and I had like some tight trousers on and my belly was out and I was like 2021 is going to be my year of like not giving a fuck anymore about my belly and not hiding it because like the shame that you have of like not looking a certain way or the way that you used to or whatever like I'm sick of it and we all should be (laughs) yeah absolutely like I think it's great just being able to go to my wardrobe now and know that whatever I've got in there whatever I put on it's gonna it's going to feel great. I'm going to feel confident and I'm going to feel comfortable. And even if this is when I, if I go to buy something new, I think, am I going to feel good? Even if I have a flare up whilst I'm wearing this and pretty much all of my clothes now are a yes. Um, and if it's a no, then I don't bother buying it. I don't think, oh, actually, yeah, but if I'm having a good day and this is, I think as well, this all comes into sort of the diet culture and fat phobia as well. And like thinking like before it would be like, oh yeah, for my skinny days, stuff like that. And it's yeah. like, absolutely no, just, I want it to feel good. However, I, however I feel sort of inside. Yeah, totally. And I think the comfortable thing is definitely something that like, I don't know, I just love comfy clothes, like jogging bottoms, like anything like that, where I just feel like, oh, like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, positive of the pandemic, right? Like loungewear. Yeah. <laughs> just thought about this I was researching um, the tight pants syndrome was it last year I think I did a post on it and I um, put it in I don't know how well known it actually is but when I put it in there I said like um, I put it in google tight pants syndrome and it said like treatment and all of the articles said lose weight I was like (gasps) really if your pants are too tight you just get a bigger size (laughs) like what that's ridiculous like and it just made me so angry I was like no actually get a bigger size or get a pair that's stretchy and comfortable like 
I just thought that's absolute madness and it made me really angry. So I want to share that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. And I think it's really interesting when you were saying earlier about how, you know, diet culture and like this whole IBS mentality, they actually go hand in hand. I've never actually put the two and two together before. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've got all of the sort of intersections with um, eating disorders. And I think as well, a lot of it when I'm bloated now, because I do, I get bloated a lot. But most of it is it's not a flare up. My stomach's just really sensitive. And when I eat, I bloat a bit. And 90% of the time, that's fine. It you back like years ago, it would be flare up pretty much every day. But now I manage it really well. And now, but now when I think when I'm bloated, it's like, okay, if I'm getting angry or upset about it, is it because I'm in pain? Because that's very different to if I'm getting angry and upset about it because of the way I look. And when I think, okay, no, it's actually, I'm not in pain. I just bloated. It's the way I look. Then I need to really unpack why I'm feeling that way. And why is a bloated belly or a bigger belly? Why are we putting so much on how we look in the size of our stomachs or our bodies in general? And I think sort of understanding that has made me feel so much better. So yeah, I get, I still get a bit upset when I'm having a flare up in terms of discomfort, when it's just the way it looks, I think, okay, I can deal with that. Like, that's absolutely fine. Like, who tells me that a bloated stomach isn't isn't cute or sexy or whatever? Like, okay, diet culture and the media. Okay, fuck them. Like, and I've managed to get to that point. And it wasn't easy, but it's really, really helped me sort of um, sort of separate those those two sides of the feeling. Yeah, totally. I wish that you could see me through the screen because I'm literally like nodding my head like, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about the importance of body image actually because um, I know that you are looking to go into that. I mean, you already are like a body image influencer, but I know that that's going to be kind of like the area that you're going to be going down with your coaching. Yeah, yeah. So I think for my coaching, it's I, it's not going to be only for those with um, gut health, but I really want to be able to help empower those um, with gut health that may be going through a diagnosis for their doctors or they've just had a diagnosis um, and get just try and free them from those feelings of I look gross. Um, and I think that is a common thing. People so without realizing say, I feel fat and actually no, fat isn't a feeling what are you actually feeling? Are you feeling uncomfortable, in pain? What is it? And really helping them get to that point where, like I just said, where they can actually separate those two. Um, Because it's it's so difficult when we have, when we think that we, when body image sort of rules our lives, it's a really sad existence, but we can, we can get out of that. And I really want to help people. Yeah. And I think that you're going to do such amazing work with it because it reflects so much on your own personal journey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like I say, it really did rule my life. And especially where I was at the lowest point of really bad IBS, uh, eating disorder that was getting, well, of course, they're always dangerous, but getting really quite dangerous. And I just would love to be able to stop others going through that. Um, And body image is just a massive, massive part of that. Just comparing myself, well, how comes my friend can eat a chicken baguette? and not get bloated. And that would be what I obsessed over. Um, And then in turn, thought food is a devil and not eat. And it can be a really spiraling sort of debilitating time and place to be. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, is that this is where I'm talking about the whole like alienation thing, because it can just feel so 
kind of like lonely and almost like your body is working against you. And it's that kind of whole like, I don't know, because I have a theory and this could be like totally wrong, but I have a theory that people who have IBS are actually like more empathetic and like just generally yeah. a bit more like sensitive in general to life. So it triggers this kind of like physiological response in our bodies because we're so sensitive and um, in tune with everybody else. And like, I think people pleasers and perfectionists can kind of go into this whole category. Um, Definitely. I've, I've read a bit about that before and I don't know how much research there is around that, but I think it, it really does make sense. We feel everything like in our whole bodies we take on. I always feel like we're, I'm a sponge. If someone around me is a bit sad, I feel like I end up being 10 times sadder because I just <laughs> take it on and then feel it in my gut. So I really, I relate and agree with that. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this as like empirical scientific evidence for anybody listening, but it's just <laughs> something that I've noticed, like for people that I know who have IBS and like for me, especially I've just drawn this kind of comparison and, you know, I just want to say to anyone suffering that, um, what was I going to say? I think the main point that I was trying to get across is that, you know, it can feel like your body is kind of working against you. And when you are like such a kind, compassionate person to people around you, it can feel quite frustrating and annoying that like you're the one who's kind of going through this when you see people around you who just kind of are able to live their lives without being encumbered by it. I think that was the point I was trying to make. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I really agree. And I think in relation to feeling alone, like what I try and remind myself is that so 10 to 20 percent of us have IBS and that's IBS alone never mind any other gut health conditions um and that's a lot like that's one in five so when we feel that we're on our own and it's obviously it's got such a stigma around it because irritable bowel I mean let's face it it's not a particularly <laughs> glamorous title is it like to have to I mean I've got that in my Instagram bio but I don't think many people I'm not going to go put it on LinkedIn like um not you trying it well I, I do actually but that's me <laughs> um I think it there is it's not it's not sexy it's not glamorous and I think we can feel embarrassed of it but actually as soon as we start opening up and now I'm like a massive open book of it like even I talk to anyone that will listen about it and as soon as you do they'll guaranteed they'll either go oh I've got that too or oh my wife suffers with that my dog I mean dogs can have it my dog my auntie my uncle whatever they'll know someone that's got it um and actually it's almost like opening that that conversation it's like oh you're one of us like it's like a club and then you can talk about it openly and it's a really nice feeling to know that you're not going going through it alone and obviously you don't want anyone else to suffer too but there is a massive part to be played in just knowing that you're in this together and it's not you that's the only one that suffers yeah and it was actually so nice when you know we first virtually met through our course and you know I found your Instagram page and I was like oh because I don't like I said I don't know anyone who has it and you know just being able to see the empowered community that you've created and how much you must have helped so many people on their journey like I just think that it must be such an amazing yeah such an amazing thing that you've done so I just want to say like thank you for Aww. yeah thank you for that and for your community I'm sure that they feel the same Thank you. I'm not good at taking compliments, but thank you very much. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> Enjoy it. Um, <laughs> cool. So maybe tell us a little bit about the creation of the Tummy Diary, because I know that it's so much more than a journal. So tell us all about it. 
Yeah, so I think it goes back to when we're diagnosed with IBS, a lot of us are told to go on the low FODMAP diet or to start tracking our food and our symptoms, which is is great. Um, but actually, like we've said, um, it, there's so much more than just our diet. And what I really wanted to do is I was tracking this and I became quite obsessed. Like at the time I was using that horrible calorie counter app and I just, my whole focus was on food. So it built that being scared of food, fearful. And what I really started thinking about is, okay, well, what if there was this place to be able to zoom out and actually look at all the different areas that can make our body feel great and and can actually contribute it um, to it not feeling great. So it was an idea I had probably about a year and a half ago, and I never thought I'd do it. So thanks to lockdown for that one. But basically, um, the Tummy Diary is a journal, and it's a three-month journal, um, and it enables people to be able to track their diet, but also their sleep, their stress levels. There's a little scale of how do you feel today, positive, bloated, energetic, anxious, and you can really track that in detail. Um, there's a big bit, bit of room for you to journal your thoughts on how my tummy's feeling, how my mind's feeling. Um, you can track your cycle, so your hormones obviously play a big part in gut health, um, water intake, just a bit of everything, but the main ones are around diet, sleep, um, stress, and movement. And it's designed to help us not obsess over one area, but actually realize this is all the things I'm feeding in quote marks, my body with, and this is how it impacts me. Um, And just that awareness of actually, oh, I had a bad sleep. Maybe that could be why my, um, why my stomach's not feeling too great. And then there's alongside that, there's also a big, a big pack of resources at the back that um, I created with the help of some gut health experts, so registered dietitians and also a mental health expert. So there's um, information around the gut brain axis and there's nice little exercises. We've even got things like self-care bingo. Um, there's sort of planners on um, encouraging people to go through their wardrobe and write down all the ones, all the items that make them feel really great um, and sort of start piecing things together. And loads of sort of self-care exercises, wheel of life, stuff like that to just help relax that gut brain axis and make them feel better about themselves so yeah (laughs) love that and maybe just tell the audience like how much is it and where they can buy one yeah so it's 25 pounds um and it's available on www.you'vegutthis.co.uk i ship worldwide it comes in a really cute blush color or sage color um and i mean there's so many lovely reviews like when i created it I, i did it all sort of on a scrap bit of paper in my notebook one day and then it sort of became real but reading the reviews is absolutely incredible like I didn't think it would be able to help this many people have the impact that it's having but I do feel really really sort of humbled and grateful for everyone that's bought one and then it's actually made a difference so I just think wow that's nuts I love that I'm so happy for you that must be such a nice like accomplished feeling especially as someone who's like been through the alienation of it all to come out the other end and be able to yeah empower others through it yeah. it's really nice <laughs> yeah I, I know it sounds cheesy but it is literally the best feeling in the world to me it's it is really cool I love that okay so just to wrap up do you have any take-home points for the audience um I think the gut brain axis I know I'm obsessed with it but if you are struggling um, with IBS and you haven't heard or you don't feel like you know much about how your gut and your brain are linked, then that is just a really big one. And it, it honestly changed my life. Um, 
and knowing that you're not alone as well like look we're we're sitting here bonding over IBS and there's I've got a Facebook community as well um, called You've Got This and it's just full of people I think we've got 3,000 members now it's a private group and it's just the most supportive I know I'm biased but like incredible community ever and you can go online and you can talk about everything from our I'm going this place and I need a bloke friendly, but stretchy trousers or guys, I've just shat myself at work. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like it is, there's no rules. There's no TMI in this group. So if you're maybe a bit poo shy, don't come in it. But, (laughs) but if you're feeding alone, it's just the most lovely place. And it's not just IBS. It's um, people talking about everything from endometriosis or, or just stress as well. Um, and everyone's just so lovely and supportive and you feel like you're in this sort of like just lovely friendship group where you can talk about anything. Um, so I would say even if it's not that community, but find a group of people that you find support from, that you get support from and that you feel that you're able to talk about whatever it is that you're going through is really does make the world of difference. I love that so much. Okay, so at the end of each episode, I ask three questions about how you best grab life. So number one, what is the most incredible and exciting thing you've ever done in your life? I would say probably quit my job, even though it was the scariest. I think it's been really amazing. Woohoo! <laughs> okay, cool. Number two, what is your favorite little everyday thing that makes you feel so grounded and grateful? Um, I live right by the water and it's something that I don't think I've ever taken for granted. I absolutely love it. We don't live in the nicest area in the world, but it's got this incredible river um, and running there, even going for a walk there. It's just like my happy place. Like it's quite a big river. So looking out and seeing like sort of, I know it sounds so cheesy, but like how vast it is and just how beautiful and still everything is. I just, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. <laughs> Okay, and finally, what is the next big thing on your bucket list that you can't wait to do? Right now, it's getting out of the house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Moving forward to do an event. So I was in events before this. So being able to do an event around You've Got This and bring everyone together that's in our online community and actually be able to hug each other when it's safe and be able to have a proper chat. I've got so many ideas for it and just sort of lift people up and they'll come out just feeling amazing and heard. Like that is my, I I cannot wait for that. Yay. Okay. Awesome. So maybe (laughs) you're coming. Yes. I will be there a hundred percent bells on float out. I'm there. (laughs) Okay, cool. So where can the audience find you? Um, so you can find me on Instagram, which is now at Lottie Drynan. That feels really weird. Um, <laughs> and at You've Got This. And then we've got our Facebook community. The links are all in my bio. But if you go into Facebook groups, we've got You've Got This. And then on my website, www.you'vegotthis.co.uk. Yay. Thanks, Lottie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for sharing your experience with me as well. I know we've texted a bit about it and it's nice to know, even on our course, that we're not the only ones. I know. Yeah, totally. For anyone struggling out there with IBS, just know that you're not alone and it is manageable. I was speaking to one of my followers recently about this, and I think it's really important to continue sharing real experiences so that we can feel more connected and less alone. Next week for the final episode of season one. Can you believe it? 
It's Triple Trouble I have on my two sisters, Ashton and Hayden. We chat about what it's like being a sister, what it means to be a sister, and the evolution of growing up as one of four, screaming at each other as teenagers, and now we are literally best friends. It was a joy to record, and I can't wait to spread some of our family love. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notifications of instant episode releases for more feel-good goodness for your ears. And with that, have an amazing week, and see you next time. Bye.